If you feel really compelled to do something, you feel very drawn to a particular thing, like say, you know, candle making or soap making or a boutique owner or being a hairdresser or whatever, go for it. Just absolutely go for it. Go for it with all your might and tell your friends, create a social media account. There's going to be people that don't support you or say, you know, why are you doing this whenever you could be making this here or whatever. If it's in your heart and your heart is telling you to go for it, then go for it. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial advice and consultation to business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Today, I'm excited to have Jesse Park, owner of Inspired Insurance Solutions. I first met Jesse when she was looking to grow her business and needed the right space. She landed in a thousand square feet in Altamont and then soon expanded again within that complex. When she was ready to get more space again, she couldn't justify putting any more of her business's money into someone else's pocket. She had just about less than 90 days to buy a building if she was going to make it happen. And I told her to come to my office and lay eyes on mine so she could visualize that goal. She put in all the work needed to close on her own 6,000 square foot building. And that's exponentially fueled her growth. Jessie will soon be sharing her story as well, sole beneficiary. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> sure. Tell me about your background and how you got into insurance. Yeah. So I actually always just tell people I accidentally landed in insurance. It was a backup plan. It was never meant to be the main source of income for anything. Uh, I did everything right. I went to college. I got a degree in the American dream, you know, riddled with debt, student loan debt, credit card, everything like that. And uh, I was working a corporate job. I was a marketing manager and they just let me go one day. And as a single mom, I was just super scared. What do I do? So I got on unemployment and food stamps and uh, that was in August of 2016. And by December of 2016, I was pretty desperate because unemployment only lasts six months in the state of Florida. So I had one month left and it's 250 a week. So you can imagine a thousand dollars a month with two kids and having a full slate of bills. It's just not cutting it. Right. So I was like behind on everything and and uh, it was pretty scary. So I landed in the insurance. You know, they put your resume out there. You get 50 companies that call you for insurance and, you know, and I was just so adamantly against doing commission only because I went to college, I had the debt to prove it. So I was just very uh, against commission only. I felt like I was worth a salary. I felt like I was worth benefits. I know I have a lot to bring to the table, you know, but whenever you work corporate, you always are at the beck and call of somebody else. And, you know, you're chained to a desk and you have to ask for time off and and, you know, I kind of, that was like the pros and cons. You get a salary, you get that comfort payment. You have, you know, the peace of mind of knowing you have a paycheck every week, but you also have to submit part of your freedom to, you know, a boss. And so by that fifth month though, I was pretty, pretty desperate. And I just took an insurance sales job and I was ashamed and I felt like I was underutilizing my degree and I felt uh, you know, going to the office and seeing some of the people, I was like, oh my gosh, I just, this is just not me. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm educated and classy and, you know, I smell good, <laughs> you know, so um, I begrudgingly took that job 
and, you know, kind of bounced around from different agencies because the first agency I landed in was just not my cup of tea whatsoever, people-wise or product-wise or anything. And then I finally landed in a place by just luck it had free leads and free leads is what really agents, especially broke agents need, you know, <laughs> to get started. And so um, frantically would call four to 600 people a day through the leads, trying to build up my book of business. And lo and behold, I actually was really freaking good at it. I'm good at talking on the phone. I'm good at relating to people. I understand products. Like I just need one, you know, quick review of the brochure and I understand the product all the way. And so I was able to present you know, to my prospective clients in a clear, concise manner. And they just really liked that. And so over the course of, you know, that time frame, like the, my, within my first year, I developed a method that I'm actually writing a book about. It's called the good, better, best method to selling insurance. Oh, and you're writing a second book. It, no, it's that book. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sole beneficiary, the good better, oh, okay. best method to selling mm-hmm. insurance. Awesome. And, um, I hit a million in sales in eight months. And that was my first year in my life making above six figures. And it's just completely changed my life since I've since grown my own agency. I have about 150 agents nationwide that write on a consistent basis. I have a staff of five people. I own the building, like you said, I'm writing a book. And so that leap of faith that I took in 2016 and, and where I felt like I had to step below, it was a mindset thing. My mindset was I wanted the comfort and the pay And I wanted to feel worth something and I wanted to be appreciated and respected for what I had done and what I bring to the table. But I feel like I hit rock bottom and I had to humble myself and I took something that I felt was below me and and that it was just a mindset shift that I had to, it was a transformation that I had to go through at that time. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're able to kind of do things differently and put your own spin on that. So tell me like when you really felt like you started to get traction sure. in what you're so, doing. So the first company I landed at, I told you that it wasn't a good fit because I did not like the way they positioned their products to clients. And some of the rebuttals they taught you to say over the phone, like if someone were to have said, you know what, I need to talk to my husband. You were supposed to say what you can't make decisions on your own. And I felt like that was just super condescending. And, you know, I actually, once I started doing more research, I found that that's just sales. It's just, it's generally insurance sales. And that's what people are taught. ABC, always be closing. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. And to have those hardcore objections to people without allowing them to be human. And so my good, better, best method kind of just takes a more human approach to things. When I joined the industry, I had no experience in sales or telephone marketing or anything like that. So to me, that whole hardcore ABCKISS method just didn't work for me. I felt very uncomfortable. So whenever I would talk to clients, I developed just a way of talking to them. And it's in the book. It's, you know, the script and everything. It's just to take a more human approach and talk to them like they're people and find out exactly what they need, find their pain point. You know, what, what has you looking for a switch or to make a change? What is it? Are your doctors not in network? Are you paying too much? Just tell me what it is and let me see if I can help you out. And, and I may not be able to help them out, but that's where you have to be okay with, okay, well, the plan that they have now is the best that they're going to get. Be comfortable with telling them that because you're not going to get the sale. But I feel like so many agents try to push their products on people without it's not always in the best interest of the client. And so, you know, with my method, you can still make money on those clients. You can sell them a dental or a vision or a life or a critical illness or some sort of 
ancillary plan that enhances their current plan. And I feel like that's what a lot of agents kind of don't see. They don't see the bigger picture mm. that if you help them even enhance their current plan, they become a client of yours. Yes. Not maybe all the way, they don't have their full portfolio with you, but that's okay. What will happen over time is you'll develop a long-term relationship with them and you can help them along the years. You can help them shop for new plans. Maybe they lose that job and they don't have that insurance anymore. Or maybe they start a business and they need group insurance, or maybe they have a mom that needs Medicare, right? So if you just build up that rapport with your client and take a more human approach, instead of shoving your products down their throat, I feel like you can build your portfolio, your book of business, just way faster, better, cleaner, uh, with respect for yourself and the client and, and really make a name for yourself. It sounds like you guys have built like a lot of trust with the clients that you work yeah. with. Mm -hmm. And it's more of like a long-term game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. What do you consider to be your greatest achievement so far? Hmm. I would like to think that my greatest achievement so far is building myself up to the point to where I'm able to help other people that were once in a position like myself. That so, must be really rewarding. It is. So like I have a soft spot for single moms and whenever I kind of run across or not just single moms, single parents, mm -hmm. right? Single parents or that eager kid that needs, you know, just super hungry, but has dead end possibilities because of their parents or you know, something like that, something that like similar to my childhood, whenever I run across something like that, I really try to give them a hundred percent of my time, effort, skills, training, motivation, everything to pull them out of that. Uh, what they build is up to them. You know, I've extended, you know, that kind of help to a lot of people. And sometimes they don't realize that it's their mindset that's getting in the way with them kind of pulling themselves up. You know, I can't pull them up. I'll, they have to help me. You know, they have to want to to work and, and do all those things. But I feel like that's probably my greatest achievement. And I think that's what in the future I hope to have helped, you know, maybe when I'm 65 and I'm retiring or 70 or something, maybe I've helped 50 people change their lives listening to you it makes me think of too if you are building those folks up in the beginning too and helping them to change their mindset too how much of a spider web effect mm -hmm. that that's going to have mm -hmm. and not just those people but mm -hmm. the people that they that help they because you mm -hmm. taught them that culture mm -hmm. and way way of doing things mm -hmm. what is the most memorable experience so far I mean, I have a lot. I have a lot, I have a lot of stories of people just so far that I've seen their lives change, you know, from meeting someone when they were living out of a van to now they're a homeowner and they have, you know, three, I don't know, three, four bedroom house for their kids and they have that steady income. Um, what else? Um, I mean, just tons of stories like that. Uh, one lady came to me in, in the beginning and she couldn't what was it? She could, she, she didn't have electricity. She couldn't afford the electricity. And she was like three years behind on her property taxes, something like that, before she was about to get her house taken away. And she, her life has just since grown. She's um, not only paid off her property taxes, she has electricity now, but she's gotten new carpet and uh, she was able to do some, a big screen for her pool. And, and um, it's, it's the trickle effect, like you said, you know, I've just seen a lot of people's lives change and I'm just getting started. So I hope in five years from now, you ask me something like that. And I have a lot more stories to tell you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. How did you come up with the name for the company? Inspired? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? So I sat on this for about two months and I would kind of 
toss it back and forth in my mind. And, you know, of course, there's all these companies, American, United Insurance, and, and I feel like they just don't have any heart, you know, and, and I feel like just from my, my story and the way that whenever I came into the industry and what it's done for me inspired me to just go out there and kind of create something to where I can reach other people. And I just hope that, you know, I just felt very inspired by the, by the insurance. It's, it's life-changing, especially for, for people like me that don't come from money and don't have family connections and kind of are floundering out in the world, you know, I'm a single mom and I work jobs and, you know, that's the life that you kind of build for yourself. You're, you're a corporate worker, you have your kids in daycare, you pick them up, you go home, you know, that's your life. But, you know, I feel like with this industry, you can leave a legacy for your kids and you can leave a legacy for your family and you can build something. And, and I guess I just kind of hope to inspire other people to do the same. And so I was using thesaurus.com and I ran across inspired and I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing when you can, you, you have this vision in your mind and then all of a sudden it mm-hmm. just, it just, it just clicks. That's mm-hmm. amazing. You know, one thing I hear you mention a lot of is the 8%. Mm-hmm. So for those people that aren't in insurance, sure. talk about this whole 8% sure. concept. Okay. So, and I talk about this in my book a lot, Yeah. right? So the 8%, so out of all the people that get their license and want to join the industry, by the way, the insurance is and financial industry is the number one industry in the whole world that makes the most billionaires. Real estate is number seven. <laughs> Am I in the wrong field? Maybe. <laughs> so, so it has a lot of draw and you see a lot of flash. You see people recruiting and they post pictures of, you know, their Bugattis or whatever. And um, it draws a lot of people in, right? But only 8% make it. Wow. And it has a high turnover a lot of burn and churn, um, people get, uh, they don't realize the work that it takes and the mindset shift that you have to go through if you want to be part of the 8%. And every single person that I've talked to that's made it, that is part of the 8%. That's what it, it's the biggest shift is in the mindset. You know, instead of saying like, oh, these leads are old. I don't want to call them. Or um, I'm used to getting off at five. I'm going to go home, right? That's a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Every lead is a good lead. Everybody needs insurance. Every single person in the United States needs health insurance, life insurance, whatever, right? So it's just, that's a mindset thing. Call them anyways. Uh, Getting off at five o'clock, you don't work for an employer anymore. You work for yourself. And if you're willing to put in 40 hours for somebody else to build up their dream, can you put in 70 for yourself? Not always, not long-term, not for years and years and years, but at first, can you? I have agents that leave the office at four and complain that they're not making money that's on you baby that's what you're doing so it's a mindset thing yeah they're they're having to build a business Mm -hmm. you know just like you did Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of work so within your particular agency do you have particular like training and and, and different things to to maybe even help them beat that eight percent yeah so i actually have a lot of coined trainings that i particularly do on a regular basis so i do one called goal setting and time blocking and basically what i do is i sit down with them and i give them worksheets out of the book the so sole beneficiary by the way which i haven't really announced it has a companion workbook Mm -hmm. the companion workbook is all about the mindset shift so i have uh tons of tear out sheets that people can use and make copies of but I give the agents a couple to start off with. And first off, we start with their small and large goals. 
and their ultimate goal. So some people's ultimate goal is to make $100,000 a year, right? And so that's good. That's fine, right? Some people want to make $500,000 a year or they're okay with $60,000, whatever that number is, we start and we work backwards. So I tell them how many policies they need to sell in order to hit that 100,000, divide those policies by the number of weeks, and then divide that by the number of um, applications. And then we're able to then determine how many hours they need to work and how many actions, AKA leads they need to call in order to make that happen. And so, um, I forgot your question. Yes. But do you have like particular systems and methodologies? Yeah, yeah to be, we do. To, so that's be, one so of the then that it sounds mm-hmm. like you're able to then that they don't just come in and maybe call five people when they actually need to probably call like 40 hundreds. people in a day or hundreds. Oh, hundreds. hundreds. <laughs> wow. Hundreds. Wow. So uh no, so yeah, that's one training. I also do the good, better, best training nationally to about 400 new agents every single month. I so we have time blocking, goal setting, good, better, best, anatomy of an insurance policy, how to hack your mindset. So there's a lot of trainings that I do in particular for my agency. Awesome. So you transitioned from being an agent to mm-hmm. then a business owner, and mm-hmm. now you now you have this business with all these agents and everything. What is the the number one thing you struggle with on a on an entrepreneur? Because you're a great agent, and that mm-hmm. you know now you decided to build a team. What mm-hmm. do you struggle with the most? Honestly, you know, for me, and it's time management and organization. That's just something I really struggle with on a personal level. And I have an iPhone and I tell my staff to put everything in my calendar. Otherwise, I'll forget. Like I will, and and this is just me. I don't know. I'm natural blonde. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I can know that on Friday, I have, I'm a keynote speaker right? Mm -hmm. But also my other side of my brain will schedule a dentist appointment for that Friday thinking, oh, I'm free. And unless it's in my calendar, if it's not blocked off my calendar. And then I'll, the day before I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm a keynote speaker. So to me, it's just, (laughs) it's just organization and and staying organized, you know, but I, I'm starting to to develop a good staff and a good company culture with my staff as well as my agents but with my staff that they know that that's my weakness so put it on my calendar (laughs) yes otherwise it's not going to get done how do you keep motivated on a daily basis because you have lots of things to do and how do you how do you stay motivated I'm just not done yet I'm just not done yet I don't have what I think is sufficient enough to leave my kids as a legacy a business that runs smoothly where they can just step into and they don't have to be out in this world, you know, jobless, homeless, whatever, all the things that I had to go through, I, I'm just not done yet. So I think, I think maybe, and you know, maybe that's a feeling that will come over time, feeling done, but I just don't feel like I've reached that pinnacle of success yet. I still have so much more to learn and so much growing still to do before I feel like I'm even relevant. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, to, to have that unquenchable thirst mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. more information. How is running the business different than you thought it would be? Uh, the people, honestly, the agents, it's a lot different than, you know, you and I actually had this conversation offline before we started, <laughs> right? So, so I feel like, I feel like sometimes no matter how much you do for people, they just always want more. And it's sometimes you can't always please everybody. And no matter how good or honest or transparent or helpful or giving you are, which I try to be on a consistent basis, but then I guess the 
because I don't ever approach anyone with like a suspicious, you know, I just want, I want people to do well, right? So I try to give them everything they need to do well and, and be just a good person to them. And I guess I, the biggest surprise to me is the, not everyone is like that. And so I've gotten my feelings hurt. I've gotten taken advantage of, I've gotten stolen from. So that probably is the hardest thing for me. Yeah. This is your podcast, not mine, but I've had to just learn (laughs) that no matter what, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And Mm -hmm. no matter what that, you know, just keep keeping you and just keep doing it and just understand that that's Mm going to happen. But that's, that's a struggle for me as well. I think it's a struggle Mm -hmm. for a lot of business owners. Yeah, that's what, so I, you know, I have some mentors and everything, and that's what they basically said is just keeping who you are and know that not everyone has the same giving heart or mindset as you and that some people no matter how much you give them they'll say thank you but they don't feel thanks and so they just want more and more and more and you just have to be okay that sometimes you're going to get taken advantage of and not to approach people with a suspicious mindset because that will hinder my growth that's 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 profound yeah I mean at the end of the day you just have to keep Mm -hmm. keep keep doing your thing and not let the past dictate yeah you know what's going to move forward is there any popular entrepreneurial advice that people always have these, there's a standard mm-hmm. entrepreneurial advice, but is there anything that you actually disagree with and you found to not be true? Hmm. Well, you know, and I don't know, if I really should pay more attention, I think, to other entrepreneurs online. And I do follow a lot of those Instagram accounts. And But when do I actually have time to scroll through Instagram? <laughs> you know, not really. But it's not, one thing I, 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 I see a lot is kind of like this mindset or grind set you you know that you have to be working all the time and you can do more you know some people I know take like um, Adderall or cocaine or something to keep going right and and I just don't feel like that's necessary at all I think work-life balance is important and spending time with your family and kids they're only young once and, you know, while I, I don't want to be contradictory because, you know, just a couple segments ago, I asked if you could work 40 for someone else, can you work 60 for yourself, right? Um, there has to be balance. So you can still do 60 hours, but still have weekends off with your kids, you know, and that's one thing that I just still steadfast. I, I have every Sunday is family day, every single Sunday. So I don't know if that's a popular thing, just keep going until you burn out. But I do see a lot of posts about like, working, working on the weekends and, you know, and, and that may work for them. They may be single and not, you know, and that's fine. Uh, it's just for me in particular, I think for anyone that has kids or a family or anything, it is important to set time aside, even if it's just one day or um, maybe lunch on Saturdays or something because time, you can't get that back. Yeah. What are the different things that you do to, to, to relax with your family? What are those things that you, you do on Sundays? And well, we do all kinds of things. So we, most of the time I'd say we probably grill or maybe order pizza or something and just hang out in the pool, listen to music. My kids are now grown. Um, My son's about to be 21 and my daughter is about to be 19. So they each have significant others who I I adore. So we, we call it fam bam. So we all just hang out together and have fun. Otherwise, we'll go to Top Golf. We'll go to escape rooms. I love escape rooms. We've probably been to like 50 over the years. 
what else? Dinners. Uh, one of the things that we all love to do is for a while we were doing ramen Sundays, which is every Sunday we go out to a different ramen noodle restaurant and try to find the best in Orlando. So are I've, there that many ramen restaurants yes. in Orlando? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, so we probably sampled about 20 different ramen restaurants mm. and we dwindled it down to where now when we go out to ramen Sunday, which we just went about three weeks ago, uh, it's either one of the two restaurants, either Domu in Thornton Park. Is that Thornton Park? What that? Audubon Park, sorry. Mm -hmm. Domu in Audubon Park at the Easton Market or Genia downtown. They're both equally as good. They both all have pros and cons, but it's in the broth. It's the broth that makes the huge difference. And I've been to so many ramen places. They get the broth wrong or they hard boil their eggs instead of soft boil their eggs. And that's just disgusting to have a hard boiled egg <laughs> in your soup, you know, has to be soft boiled, perfect, you know. So anyways, that's what we do. We just um, we spend time together. We do game days, we'll do Clue. Uh, one of the favorites that we've been playing lately is Cards Against Humanity. And that's, I mean, my kids are adults now, so it's just hard. Those cards are funny because sometimes you're <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to say this in front of my kids. <laughs> you know um, but they insist so we just it's just fun it's that bonding time that we I think it's super important to maintain that's amazing what what an evolution too for your kids to to watch watch you grow yeah. over this last time so she would have been about 14 and 13, 13 mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. she when you first started yeah yeah and you know honestly life was a, a struggle up until this you know and I uh, where, how far back do I go? You know, um, this just, we've never, I had, I got married so young. And the reason why I got married so young is because I didn't have a place to live. And uh, I finally wait until I could turn, I had a boyfriend, you know, um, and I was renting a room from somebody at, at the age of 17, working at McDonald's paying rent. And um, so it, my boyfriend's mom at the time said I could move in there if we got married. So got married and then, you know, had kids two years later. So, and then our relationship ended when my daughter was four months old. So from the age of four months old, my son was two, uh, they were just mine. And he barely ever called, you know? And so it was a struggle. It was a struggle as a single mom trying to find jobs, pay for daycare. Daycare is so expensive. And when you make $10 an hour, you can just really just afford daycare, you know? And so it was a struggle kind of working my way up. I went to college at night, graduated with my bachelor's at the age of 29 when my kids were like six and four or something around those ages. And, you know, got, was able to get jobs a little easier with having a degree, but they were not that much better paying off $12 an hour, $15 an hour. I think the most I made was $18 an hour. And um, it's just, you know, I don't know if that's just a, my experience thing or if that's a common, you know, but that was my experience. It was just kind of these corporate jobs that didn't offer much more than at most $45,000 a year. And, and, you know, so um, we always lived on a tight budget, always, you know, owning a home was not something I could do. So we were always paying rent we moved around a lot because rents would raise and, my kids were, you know, they're kids. So I don't think they even knew, you know, but now they see that I own a building and I own, we own a home and my daughter works for me. She has a job. She oh, that's amazing. Yeah, she's 18 and she's making $15 an hour. So, you know, it's just nice to be able to give that. And, and, you know, I don't know if they realize it maybe. And, and this is the part kind of you and I also talked yeah. offline. 
about not being so cushy and giving them everything. Like I still, she still worked at Chick-fil-A for two years. And I, you know, I wanted her to get that, that experience. And my son worked at Publix and I didn't want to just like, I could have, here's a car, here's an allowance, here's to do. I don't want that. I want them to work for it a little bit, you know, and kind of not have the rough life like I did, but at least kind of know that what I've done and what I've built is, is great. And it's good for them too. I just think they may need a little bit more life experience to realize that. That's, that's amazing that to get to work with your daughter now. Yeah. 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 I got to meet her. I remember meeting her at the closing. She's so sweet. Yeah. So, and she graduated just, she she, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What have been some of your failures? What have you learned mm-hmm. from them? Well, I don't really consider anything I've done a failure. I would say that they were huge learning experiences and I won't be doing them again. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, and, and it kind of just goes back to, to kind of people. Uh, for instance, like last year, I threw a huge extravagant party. I rented out the top floor of Del Frisco's and I wanted to show my agents how much I appreciate them and had an open cash bar sorry, that's contradicting, an open bar. Yes. I paid the cash. Yes. They didn't pay the cash. Yes. <laughs> I had awards. I bought them like books by Jeb Blount to hand out, hired a DJ, all these things I don't have to do, right? I don't have to do any of that stuff. I want to, I want to show them a good time and show them how much I appreciate them. And, um, you know, it was just, it ended up the whole dinner was like $13,000. That's enough for a wedding. And I was very surprised to see that, you know, people would order 10 drinks at a time. And it just, like I said, it, it surprises me that those kind of things surprise me. And then um, to find out, you know, after all, if they get upset or whatever, they throw their awards away. And it just, there's some, there's some weirdness, you know, that I don't quite, I don't quite understand the motivation behind it. I know my intentions were what it was. I want to show them a good time and give them awards and books and show how much I appreciate them. But I feel like, you know, any world where I think there's money involved or whatever, people get uh, kind of weird about it. And, and I don't understand that. So my learning lesson from that is um, while we had fun and I wouldn't take it back, I'm not doing it bad again. Yeah. So uh, I'll do still awards. I'll send out awards this year, but throwing an extravagant party like that, maybe, maybe in a few years, maybe that's a growing pains for me that in a few years or whatever um, to do that. But not a failure, just a learning lesson, you know, to keep moving forward and, and, um, you know, just, or perhaps there might be another way yeah. to recognize those that put in, put in the effort and yeah. not maybe, not maybe everybody yeah, or if, something if different. Get their feelings hurt if they, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's, uh, and those are like kind of beyond my comprehension levels yeah. to yeah. understand or see why that happens, I guess. And, and I think a big learning lesson for me is not to focus too much energy on it. Right. I don't know. I can't, I don't know why certain people do certain things or, or say certain things. I don't know that answer. And so, but what I can do is I can keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, uh, you can't please everybody. Mm-mm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so what advice would you give for aspiring entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs in particular? Because you, you did get an award recently. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So I got nominated for 
uh, Central Florida's largest women-owned business. And uh, I actually made the list, which I was so surprised for. Number 16 out of 25 in all of Central Florida, which includes Tampa, Orlando, Daytona, and the whole central area, Brevard County. And so that's a huge to me. I was so proud of that. And taken back. <laughs> Honestly, what? Me? And so some advice I would give to, to women entrepreneurs, uh, follow your intuition, you know, and, and, and that's a lot of, uh, you know, I discounted a lot. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, this is right or whatever, but it turns out my intuition has been correct a hundred percent of the time. And sometimes that's a little vague to say, follow your intuition. But if you feel really compelled to do something, you feel very drawn to a particular thing, like say, you know, candle making or soap making or a boutique owner or being a hairdresser or whatever, go for it. Just absolutely go for it and go for it with all your might, you know, and, and tell your friends, create a social media account. There's going to be people that don't support you or say, you know, why are you doing this whenever you could be making this here or whatever. If it's in your heart and your heart is telling you to go for it, then go for it. Yeah. Have you found over your journey though, you've had to reinvest your energy based on, you know, how people's reactions are to you or anything like that, or uh, that's a good question, you know, because I know my intentions with any situation or anybody, I know they're always coming from a good place, right? You know, so I know that I never approach anyone or a situation or an agent with greediness or trying to take advantage of them or trying to get one over on them or trying to steal, or there's a lot of this in the insurance industry, by the way. So yes. the things I'm talking about are, and maybe you're also in the real estate, there could be brokers that just are not transparent and they, you know, try to get one over there's hidden fees or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? So I know that whenever I approach it, I like to go to sleep at night and I like, I want to build a, a company and a culture that people know that the owner is, you know, mostly good. I'm not perfect, but mostly good. Yeah. And, um, is the original question was, is there anything that I would do differently with people yeah. Like, have, have you had situations happen where you've realized you, we've talked earlier about you redirecting, you know, your energy and not letting that require, but, you know, had certain situations too, that you've learned because you talked mm -hmm. about people not supporting people. Mm -hmm. Have you had things that like have surprised you and, and yeah. that you've had to, you know, <laughs> change, change the way that you maybe your, your level of relationship with that person or otherwise all the time. Yeah. All the time, you know, uh, I don't want to go into particular instances or anything like that, but there has a hundred percent been circumstances where I was taken aback or surprised by something or, and it's mostly to do with what I said in the previous topic, which is um, there, I guess, like whenever I, I have done this, this, and this for somebody, and then they turn around and they kind of do this. That's a surprise, you know, yeah. that's a surprise. And it, and it definitely, you know, hurts my feelings and, and it's, takes me back and you know all those things but I think what I do with it is I cannot control that I cannot control other people or what they want to do or how they act or react to a certain situation or if they start to develop any sort of ill feelings towards me whenever I know I've not done anything I can't help that and so what I can do is move forward and grow and build my business yeah. and wish them the best and you know, if they leave my agency, wish them the best. And I hope they grow and, and, and prosper and everything, but I can't focus on that loss. Yep. I just have to keep moving forward. 
and and grow and and because I have goals <laughs> and I can't let one person deviate me from that. You have the perfect segue. So you're talking about moving forward, mm-hmm. growing your business, building your business. Mm-hmm. What does the future hold for you? Well, so my book releases in January and I was just can I talk about that for a little bit? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want, and I'd love to hear about your process because sure. Okay. I, I admittedly, you know, have wanted to do that for a really long time. And then, you know, I start to have this, you know, I, I can't make time for that. Yeah. And, you know, nobody really wants to hear what I have to hear oh and gosh. all these other things. So like, tell us about like how you made it past that. How okay. did you carve out the time to do sure. it and talk okay. about that? I'd love to hear. So anything that has to do with me being in the public eye, I always kind of shy away from because I, that imposter syndrome that everybody has is very real. And so I even like think I made a Facebook post about it. Like who would want to read a book from me? Like what do <laughs> I even have to say? And um, a lot of people actually responded. So the way the process kind of went down is my sister, who was a huge part of my life when we were kids, you know, my mom moved away with her when I was young. Um, when I was 17, she took my sister and left me, but that's okay. Um, I ended up flourishing in Florida and, and my sister and my mom moved to Illinois and, and uh, my sister passed away from cancer in January. And it was very hard on me. It was a lot harder than I guess I thought it was going to be because you don't realize that bond that you have with a sibling until you don't have it anymore. And, um, not cry. I, I remember too, we were going through the building purchase yeah. and when, when the cancer had come yeah. back yeah. and it just, I'm just so amazed that you, you just still buckled down Yeah, and made, you guys crying too, but it, it was hard. You know, it was, it was, um, devastating, honestly. And, um, we hadn't, you know, it's not, we weren't best friends or anything. It's not like we were best friends or anything. There was a five-year age gap and she lived her life and I lived mine. And over the course of the year since uh, 17, I visit a couple times, a handful of times, not a lot. So it's not like I talk to her every day or anything like that, but that sibling bond that you have is strong, you know? And so uh, when I found out that she was put on hospice in January, I flew up right away the next day to go see her. And that was a surprise because she was in remission. So being in remission and being, and then next thing you know, she's in a hospice. I was just, you know, devastated. So I flew up there and spending as much time as I can, you know, still running a business and everything. And, and uh, so whenever you're in the last stages of cancer, you're basically on morphine all the time. And there were glimpses of like consciousness from her where she was awake and coherent talking and then she'd start to be in pain again and give her more morphine and she'd be out for a couple hours. So when it, the first time I went there and we were talking and I was holding her and crying and just, I mean, nothing prepares you for that. And she told me that um, this year, um, some big things were going to come on my lap and I needed to try something new. And nice got <laughs> lo and behold, like two months later, I got an inbox message on LinkedIn from a publisher and they were like, we heard about your good, better, best method that you, you know, you do uh, to, to agents. And we think you should write a book about it. And usually I'd be like, LinkedIn spam. No, you know, but I actually said, yes, let's meet. I said, I thought of my sister. I'm like, this is something new. <laughs> it's really new. I've never written a book. I never even wanted to write a book. I don't even read a lot of books. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
so I was like, this is definitely new. So I said yes, and I met with them. And I even, I think my self-doubt creeped in that day on, and I posted on Facebook. I just got approached by a publisher. They want me to write a book. Who would even read a book from me? What do I even have to say that's of importance to anybody? And to my surprise, like so many people said yes. And I was like, all right, that's my sign. That's my sign to, to write this book. And so I'd meet with the publisher. Every and that was in, that was in like March. Uh, March of this year. March, yeah. And so I meet with the publisher via Zoom every Friday from nine to 10. So you just carve out the time. Mm-hmm. And um, the publisher has a ghostwriter, I guess you would say, that you, you go through an outline, you give them the topics, you talk about everything, they write it. And then you go through and you change it and edit it. And the changing and editing portion for me was the hardest part to carve out the time. So I would do it on the weekends, bam, bam day, uh, got cut in half. It used to be full days, but I'd work on my book until like three or four. And um, I'd work on Saturdays. I put a lot of hours in this book, you know, and then especially the accompanying workbook that kind of came to me because we were only just working on the one book, which is insurance and selling and my story and all of that and how I got in the industry and how it changed my life and all of those things. But I felt like there was a huge chunk missing, which is the mindset that you need to be successful and be one of the 8%. And so I met with a publisher about two months ago. I was like, listen, I'm not publishing this book unless it has an accompanying workbook. I'm just not putting out something I feel is incomplete. And so they're like, okay, well, create the workbook and we'll publish that too. Oh my <laughs> and so I created the workbook and I'm just ecstatic about this project. It's, um, I still have self-doubt and I still you know, wonder if anyone's actually going to read it and what if it gets a bad review and what if people laugh at me or something or make fun of me and, and I think that's maybe normal as a human um, and I hope that none of that happens. <laughs> I hope it's a wild success and, and uh, maybe a New York Times bestseller, who knows? I don't know. It's an insurance book, so I doubt it, but you know, just uh it's, I'm very proud of it. And that was a, it's dedicated, the whole dedication is to my sister. Cause honestly, I wouldn't have said yes if I didn't have that conversation with her. Like she, she let you know that it was coming. I, yeah, I think so. Amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. One other thing that you had uh, focused on during the, the interview is like, you keep being motivated and, and feeling that there's more to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I feel that that kind of plays into the doubt that business owners have, because mm-hmm. maybe you're just not content or exactly you feel like there's still more to be done so mm-hmm. how is anybody going to value where you're at so mm-hmm. how, how do you overcome that or is it just something you continually struggle with or what do you do to to push past that yeah so each I'd say maybe each quarter I reevaluate my long and short-term goals mm-hmm. so that method that's in my book and my workbook is something that I've been doing for years so I just reevaluate my short and long-term goals and right now I'm really focused on nationwide recruiting and I hired a staff that gets agents up and going, provides full agent support. So, you know, um, most of the position, I do have the building, but all of my national agents, they work from home. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I feel like is common that I commonly hear is that they don't never have support. They can join these big agencies and they're just another agent number and they don't actually have anyone that they can call. Mm. So um, my whole support staff, they give out their cell phone number. I always tell people I'm available uh, 18 7 
which is almost 24 seven, but I do have to sleep. <laughs> so it's 18 seven and they can call me anytime. I, I want them to be successful. Honestly, my success depends on their success. Yeah. And so um, that's my current goal right now. That's my long-term goal is I would like a thousand agents. My short-term goal in the meantime is to recruit 20 this year. Okay. And so that kind of keeps me busy for a lot of years. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's my short and long-term goal. And maybe when I hit that, I'll realign myself and think of something new or I'll have a new strategy or something. I mean, there's tons of, of different little projects that I can do. Another one that I would love, I speak into existence, is that I am a highly valued, uh, highly sought after speaker for insurance conferences and even just business summits, yes. you know, to talk about overcoming obstacles and creating a business and keeping the mindset and what it takes to be successful in business. I would love that. I'd love to travel and speak and, you know, talk about my book. And, and it's not about selling my book, you know, making millions off my book, but it's, I, I just have a passion for what I really talk about in the book and it's mindset and, and changing that and focusing on that and, and setting goals and achieving them. And I feel like that resonates with a lot of people. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you never stop inspiring oh. others, including myself and, and so many. And, and thank you for being so transparent and sharing. And mm -hmm. I, I know that we'll see each other soon being, uh, we're, we're neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> so yeah. Our buildings are in the same complex. So it's nice that uh, that, that was able to happen and that all came together yeah, as well. Right. So. So we can't escape each other, no. but no, it's so good that we have each other to support each other and all that you're doing in the community. So yeah. thanks so much for sharing. Thank you.